And let me just say a prayer as we continue here this morning. God, I pray that you would meet with us this morning. God, I pray for uh, those who are among us who are sick, who have health issues. God, may you meet with them. We pray for your intervention in people who are dealing with things financially or relationally. God, we look to you to intervene. And Lord, as we open your word today, may we be willing to see even beyond our circumstances that you are wanting to do something. Just like Mrs. Moe in this video, that we would see there's something more, a bigger purpose, even when we face hardships. So God, remove me and may we hear from you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Stories of personal transformation are all around us. You see it on Facebook, you hear about it in ads, 30 days to your best life, lose so much weight in 90 days, get your life organized, get rid of debt, buy this product, work this system, and you will have a transformed life, a life that you'll be happy, healthy, wealthy, and wise, and your wildest dreams will be fulfilled. Sounds great. There's only one major problem. That a life like that can easily become all about you. All about how you feel, how you look, how your life will go. Now, I definitely think that we need to take care of ourselves. So this is not about self-care. Maybe some of you need to work on some self-care. But this is about looking at life beyond yourself. Looking at beyond your sphere of influence. And today, as we continue our series, More Than You, I hope that we can look beyond this sort of 10-foot radius of our life, our small kingdoms that we actually build for ourselves, the paper crowns we put on our heads, and see that there's a larger purpose, a larger kingdom that is more than you. Hopefully last week, you experienced that as you listened to different speakers, as you were exposed to different things. And now today, we're going to take a look a little bit deeper deeper at this. All of us have narcissistic tendencies in our life. Maybe we aren't actually narcissistic, but there are tendencies for that. And that word narcissism actually comes from a Greek mythology about a god named Narcissist. And this god Narcissist was a hunter, and he was a beautiful man. Many people fell in love with him. And wanted to be with him. And then one day while he was hunting in the woods, a nymph named Echo saw him and fell in love with him. And followed him through the woods till finally Narcissus recognized he was being followed and the nymph Echo revealed herself to him. Echo tried to give Narcissus a hug and he pushed her away. And because of that rejection, Echo went and roamed the woods until she faded away And all that remained of her was an echo. Echo. (laughs) That's where we get that word from. Now, Nemesis, the goddess of retribution and revenge, learned what had happened in the woods with Narcissist and decided to punish Narcissist for this. So she led him to a pool of water where he saw his own reflection in this pool. And he fell in love with himself. Although he did not realize that at the beginning that he was simply looking at a reflection of himself, when he did come to that realization, he fell into despair that his love could not be fulfilled and took his own life. 
Now, I know this is only a Greek myth and not a reality, but we can become people obsessed with self. We are a culture that is obsessed with self. There's a movie called The Like, De- like Generation about how people are just seeking likes on social media and so much of value can be based on that. There are over a billion hashtags on Instagram for the word love and over 380 million for the word selfie. When scrolling through feeds on social media, a majority of people are taking pictures of themselves and talking about themselves, including mine. It can be very much like narcissists. That our lives can simply begin to look like a reflection of ourselves. Of seeing only ourselves. And we need to look beyond our own lives. This obsession with ourselves is nothing new. It goes back all the way to the beginning. And through all generations we are plagued by selfishness. Adam and Eve chose a path independent of God. The first two brothers, Cain and Abel, Cain killed Abel out of jealousy. You think about Esau in the Bible selling his birthright for a bowl of soup and Jacob lying and deceiving people. You look at Samson chasing after women for his own pleasure and Solomon with this hedonistic pursuit of pleasure. And the list could go on and on up into modern day times of how we can just be consumed with self. And you know why? If we're honest, all of us are selfish, including me. Then we look at God coming into our lives and experiencing God's transformation in our lives, God's blessing in our life, God's work in our life. And his work can even become more about us than about him. That can become about personal fulfillment, happiness, success, instead of his glory and his purposes. My hope and prayer is that each one of us would learn to live for the glory of God in our lives. So to this end, at DAC here, we formed a mission based off of God's mission in the Bible. And we articulate it like this here. To see people transformed by Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and launched on mission. That we believe your life is bigger than you. And this is not a simple like start and finish process. This is more a cyclical process like this. That if you are experiencing the transformation of Jesus and the empowerment of God's Holy Spirit, it will naturally lead towards you being launched on mission where more people will encounter Jesus and they will have a transformational encounter with Jesus, be empowered by the Holy Spirit and launched on mission. It's a never ending thing until all people ultimately know Christ. And today we're talking on this little wheel here about being transformed by Jesus. That God's transformation in our life is about us, but it goes beyond us and is more than us. Because all of us struggle with this, even when it comes to following Jesus. Jesus' 12 disciples struggled with this. A disciple is simply a learner, an apprentice, a student. And when Jesus called his 12 disciples or students to follow him, it was a mixed bag of people. You had a tax collector working for the Roman occupying force. You had a few fishermen, a thief, a political extremist, all put together in this close proximity with Jesus. And to think that all of them had pure motives for following Jesus, really? 
there was a whole mixed bag of why these guys were following Jesus. In one case, two of the brothers, James and John, who were fishermen, went to Jesus. Well, in one account, their mom actually went to talk to Jesus. How embarrassing is that? Two grown men, and mom goes to talk to Jesus. And what they asked for is they went to Jesus and and said, Jesus, can we have the places of honor at your right and left hand? Can we have that prestige, that power in your kingdom? These guys had ulterior motives for following Jesus. They wanted an advancement of their career, a, a position of power. And Jesus turns it around on them in Matthew 20 and states this in verses 20 to 25. 25 to 28. You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over other, those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. The kingdom of God following Jesus can be described as an upside down kingdom. People want power and position, and Jesus looks for people to come and serve. People want safety and preservation, and Jesus says, come and give your life and die for me. God's transformation is more than you. And transformation that ends with you will come to an end. If it's all about you, once your life ends, it will come to an end. But when we embrace God's transformation, and when we embrace serving and living beyond our own lives, that's a life that can outlast you. The Apostle Paul across Scripture is a great model of this. We first see the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts, and he's not called the Apostle Paul, he's called Saul. And Saul was a well-educated, passionate, religious person in the line of Judaism. He obeyed all the law, and he was so passionate about Judaism that when this new fledgling religion called Christianity began to spring up, he began to persecute the followers. The first martyr of the church, Stephen, when he was killed, Saul was standing there approving of his execution. Now Saul was so bent on destroying, exterminating Christians that he got some letters to go and arrest Christians in a different city. So on his way, traveling to the city, he has a divine encounter with Jesus. A light from heaven comes. He is knocked off his, off his horse. He is struck blind. And this voice says to Saul, 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 why are you persecuting me? Saul responds, who are you, Lord? And Jesus says this, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. From that moment of encounter with Jesus, God tells Saul, who was later renamed Paul, I have a purpose for you. That he was supposed to get up, go into the city, and he's going to be told what he is supposed to do. Because his transformation wasn't just about him. It was for a purpose. Now, as we fast forward a couple verses, God speaks to another gentleman named Ananias. And he tells Ananias to go and pray for Saul and pray for his healing. And he says this to Ananias in Acts 9, 15 to 16. Go, 
For Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. God's transformation had a purpose beyond Paul. That phrase chosen instrument has two dynamics to it. One is the choosing of God. That Paul is God's chosen instrument. The second is instrument. That an instrument throughout scripture, that same word is used for like a vessel, a pot, a simple jar that has a functional purpose. That it's not simply to sit there, it has a purpose. And Paul is God's chosen instrument. You and I are God's chosen instruments. God has chosen you and he has given you a purpose. And that purpose is more than you. Later on in Paul's life, when he was speaking to one of his kind of understudies, Timothy, he puts it this way in the book of 2 Timothy 2, chapter 2, verses 20 to 21. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver and some made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions and the cheap ones are for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you'll be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you'll be ready for the master to use you for every good work. A few of my friends, when they graduated from high school, they decide to get their own apartment. And one thing, I don't know if it was in training or they decide because they moved out, they didn't have to do this. They decided that they, had, they were never going to do dishes. I don't know if they even decided it, but that's what happened. Because when you walked into their kitchen, it was like a science experiment growing in and around their sink. It was disgusting. You didn't even want to go in there to get a drink of water. And when you walked in there and if you wanted a fork to eat something, you would not touch one of those forks. You needed to drop a Lysol bomb in that kitchen to get things suitable to be used for the purpose that they were ultimately meant to be used for. And as you look in this passage in scripture, you see that each one of us is a utensil. Each one of us is a vessel. Each one of us is a chosen instrument, but we make a choice. Are you going to be a cheap instrument, an expensive instrument? Are you going to be a clean instrument or a dirty instrument? Are you going to be living a life honorable to God and for his purposes Or are you going to simply choose to live for yourself? Just because you said yes to Jesus at some point doesn't mean that your life is clean forever. It doesn't mean that you're a vessel set apart for God's purpose. We need to continue to revisit that, to live in a life that honors God. And when God transforms your life, it's for his purposes. It's more than you. And by, God, by allowing God to transform you from the inside to the outside, you become fit for a purpose beyond yourself. You become prepared for the master's use. There's a purpose for God's cleansing in your life. There's a purpose for God's transformation in your life. And it's to be used for his purposes. From the moment Saul who became the Apostle Paul, was transformed by Jesus. He had a purpose beyond himself. So what are some practical steps when we think about personal transformation and God transforming our lives? Well, first we need to let God transform us. 
Let God transform us. Because without the work of God in your life, nothing will be a permanent transformation. Often we can look at Christianity as a moral religion or a self-help religion that we come to God and then now we have to work really hard to do all these things. No, we need to allow the transformation of God to come into our lives. When I encountered Jesus in my early 20s, I wasn't even looking for him. I was looking for a cute girl at church and God had different plans for me. That's why I call him the hound of heaven because he caught my scent way before I caught his. And he is the one that came to me and began this transformational process in my life, but I needed to allow him in to do that. There's some great verses that kind of talk about God's transformation in our life. One is 2 Corinthians 5.17, which says that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. There's a word in there in the original language called metamorphosis. And this means a complete change of who we are at our very core. We become something different. That when we come to Christ, God makes us a new person. In Colossians 1.13, we read, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Two weeks ago, I talked about the kingdom of God. And if you want to hear that message, you can go on our website, on iTunes, on Spotify, on TuneIn. We're on all those. And, you, and I'd encourage you to listen to that message. But for today, for today, realize that when God transforms your life, he gives you a place in a new kingdom. You go from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light and life. Here's another verse in Colossians 2.13. You were dead because of your sins. You were dead because of your sins. And because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away, then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all your sins. God is the one that is transforming you. God is the one that is bringing new life in you. And all three of these verses point towards God's transformation in your life. And when God transforms you, you will have a new life, a new identity, and be part of a new kingdom. When God transforms, you will have a new life, a new identity, and be part of a new kingdom. So first, we have to allow God to transform us. Next, we need to allow God's word to transform our thinking. Romans 12.2 puts it like this. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, what is good and pleasing and perfect. Just like Mrs. Mom in that video that we showed, she went to prison not because of anything she had done wrong. And in that moment, she had to make some decisions. Was God going to transform the way she was thinking about her situation? Or was she going to allow her situation to control her? For three years in prison, she could have had a self-pity party. And she could have sat there in despair and said, why me? Why these false accusations? But instead, she said, God, transform me. And God transformed her view and said, I have positioned you here for a purpose. And your purpose is to be salt and light. 
And over 60, if not 70 people came to know Christ because of her simple witness in that Cambodian prison. Because her thinking was transformed about who she was and why she was there. The way we think is the way our life goes. The way we think is the way our life goes. And to think like God, we need the word of God. And this is not just getting in God's word. This is allowing God's word to get into us. And we have been given the word of God to understand the mind of God so that we can live out the purposes of God. We have been given the word of God so we can understand the mind of God so you can live out the purposes of God. Maybe today it's just beginning to look at God's word in a different way. We need to allow God to transform us. Then we need to allow God to transform our thinking. And then finally, we need to allow God to use us to transform our world or the world. The world is kind of a big, lofty concept. But if you think about your world... God wants to use you in your world, in your sphere, in your workplace, in your shop, in your conversations to bring his transformation to people around you. Listen, here are two stories. We've been encouraging you throughout this year to begin to share Jesus with your words and post them up here or submit them online or show Jesus with your actions and you can submit those out in the foyer on little cards with your hours or post them online. And we've been encouraging you to do this. We've told you you can do it anonymously if you feel like it's boasting or something or you can do it and say, hey, I'd love you to share this with other people because we want to encourage each other and spur one another on towards God's purposes. So here's two stories that were shared in the last week. Pam said... When I see someone asking for money, I have an internal debate with myself as to what to do. Today, however, was different. I saw a mom with her two children sitting near a store that I entered. I felt a nudge to meet this need practically. Instead instead of giving her money while shopping, I picked up some food items to give to her upon exiting the store. The little boy's eyes lit up and I was able to show Jesus in a practical way that met a need. What a great, simple story. Thank you, Pam, for simply showing Jesus to the world around you. Rose has shared many stories with us. And one that she shared said, I shared Jesus, I shared Jesus with Carlos at work almost every day because he does not want to go to church or read the Bible. I believe one day God will speak to him and he seems to be hurt with God because he lost his wife some years back. Thank you, Rose, for sharing again and again the hope that is only found in Christ. God wants to use you to transform the world around you. Over the years, I've discovered that if your faith ends with you and is all about you, it won't last and it won't be vibrant. I've seen when the emotions pass when difficulty is encountered. I've seen it when maybe the church isn't as exciting as it used to be or your experiences fade. That's easily begin to say, I'm going to chase after something else. I'm going to find something new and exciting. And that's a faith that's all about you. But what I've seen on the flip side is when there's a realization 
that God wants to transform your life. And as God is transforming your thinking, you recognize that there's something more that God wants me to give beyond myself and give this away to others. That is a vibrant faith that brings transformation not only to your life, but to the world around you. So I ask you, are you letting God transform your life? Are you letting God transform your thinking? And are you letting God use you to transform the world around you? The butterfly is an incredible picture of transformation. Only the mind of God could think of a creature like this. That it starts out as, as its life crawling on the ground, eating leaves in the dust, only be, to be transformed into this beautiful creature that flies through the air and drinks nectar from flowers. And I'm afraid that many of us live lives like that caterpillar that we're crawling around in the dust and the dirt when God is saying, I've created you for something more. Don't you recognize that I've transformed your life and I want to transform your life for a greater purpose? To soar in the heights of my kingdom, to be a witness for me and to show and share Jesus to other people. Life is more than you. God's kingdom is more than you. His transformation is more than you. In my prayers that you would be transformed by Jesus and bring his transformation to the world around us. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would meet with us and that we would know your purposes and your transformation in our own life. God, I pray that you would help us to see a life that's bigger than us, more than us. And God, that this kingdom that you call us to participate in is an everlasting kingdom. Lord, forgive us where we have made life all about us. And may you help us to participate in your greater purposes, that other people would come to know the transformation of Christ and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, and that you want to launch us on this grand mission of yours. In Jesus' name, amen.